I'm Sharon Burke Kelly, and I'm back in Titarangi a week after I visited the suburb of Auckland because I got a, an email from you, Catherine, telling me about your own ordeal uh, to do with the floods, and we're looking at a mass of black plastic sheeting across a slip, and then your beautiful 1930s house up there on the hill with the driveway hanging precariously over nothing. <laughs> Today on The Detail, a story of red tape and crazy rules affecting hundreds of property owners. Catherine Alberston is speaking out for the first time because she desperately wants to fix her driveway, get rid of the ugly sheet of plastic covering the slip and get back to a normal life. That could cost her $100,000 or more because she has to build a retaining wall. But here's the catch, she has to pay for it. But the wall would be on the adjacent council-owned land, the berm, or that strip of land that you need to drive over to get home. On the other hand, why should Auckland ratepayers fund something only she and her neighbour benefit from? That's the council's take and we'll hear more on that. But back to Catherine, who's telling her story as a warning to others. So tell me about this, Catherine. What are we looking at here? This was uh, a bank that was you know, covered in, in vegetation and trees. And yeah, on the 27th of January, about you know, 8 o'clock at night, about the same time that you know, all the slips started to happen because the earth was just saturated, mm -hmm. um, it slipped down from below here. Um, so this is all council land and um, yeah, my neighbour actually came and knocked on my door. He just said to me, it's gone. He's just said, the bank's gone. You'd better come and have a look because I didn't actually realise it had happened. Mm. Um, and so I came down and by this time there were lots of neighbours um, sort of on, on that side and mm. on this side looking at it um, and, and we all kind of watched as the rest of it came down. And then there's a big slab of concrete there. Well, that was the driveway. So there's a hole there. That, that was a driveway. And your car still sitting in the driveway? Yeah. Because you can't get it out, obviously. No, I can't get it out. Tell me why you got hold of me. Oh, well, I mean, I think, you know, it's been a full-on year. I still haven't heard from insurance, so I don't know what insurance I'll get. But um, insurance doesn't cover council land. No. And it only covers your private land. And just to be clear, that this bank that we're looking at in front of your house is council yes, land. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's road reserve. Auckland Transport's responsible for it. I have been told by my insurer that there's um, three square metres of land impacted on my property. Um, so the way EQC works is you get the lesser of the value of the uh, amount of land that's gone or the cost of the repair. So whichever is the cheapest one for EQC Absolutely. to pay you out yeah. on. So I'm pretty sure I'll get the value of three square metres of land, which is not going to be very much. To fix up this big slip and make your place accessible yeah. by yeah. car. Yeah, and I mean, it's, I don't know if you can tell, but it's only about a metre away from the house, the scarp of the slip. Mm. So there needs to be a... A retaining wall, quite a long one built um, along here and that's on council land. I mean many of us um, 
in this you know situation have been trying to communicate with Auckland Transport about this throughout the year and in about June um, we all got letters saying that um, Auckland Transport or Auckland Council wouldn't um, take responsibility for any repairs that were needed on their land um, if the purpose of it was to um, support our our house and then they basically said what you need to do is engage your own you know geotechnical engineers structural engineers design it um, and then you need to apply for us for permission to build the structure on our land yeah and of course you have to apply for consents and all of that kind of thing as well so that basically said we're on our own and you know you're talking a hundred thousand dollars maybe two hundred thousand dollars you know, is, is that the rough rough estimate of what well, it could cost? And that's, this is what people say. I can't get a quote until I spend maybe, uh, you know, twenty thousand dollars in total on all the different reports that you need to get in order to get a quote. And so you're stuck between this existence where your car is stuck in the carport. You can't drive up to your house. You're looking at this big slip right here, and figuring out how you come up with, what, tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix it all. Yeah, and I haven't got this far in the process, but people say that you can't get a mortgage for this kind of work because it's not your land. Um, And ultimately, after paying all of this money, if you were to go down that route, the retaining wall would belong to council. It would be on council land, and you couldn't even get insurance. You know, so I would pay... $100,000 $100,000 for something that doesn't even belong to me and I can't even insure. And are you are you working through this on your own or is, is there a group of um, residents who are working on it or have you come together with other residents in the suburb who have similar problems? Yeah, so there's a group um, in Titirangi uh, called the Star Group, Titirangi residents. Residents, yeah. yeah. And so there are others in the situation. I'm not on my own. No. And we have had um, some good conversations with Auckland Transport. I understand that they are in a process of um, seeking funding um, for people who are in this situation. Um, But, you know, yeah. You don't know where you're at? No. The other thing is I just want people to be aware, not just for me, but for others in this situation. And to those decision makers, whoever they are, that are deciding whether to fund Auckland Transport for this kind of thing, just to realise what a massive impact this has on people's lives. If I can't get insurance, if I can't get a category, and I can't get a mortgage, how am I supposed to pay for it? And can you even have that conversation with anybody, the decision makers? Haven't heard from them this year. You're at your wit's end. It's not just the money, although the money is absolutely the biggest thing but it's also figuring out the process and um, you know those who are category 2p or those who are category 3 they get someone to to you know walk them through the process but if you're a category 1 you don't get anything you're left on your own. Knowing what you know and knowing that this is a massive process that's going to take years how how could it have been done better? That's a big question. Um, just, you know, getting a team of people who can 
look after people in this situation so much sooner. I mean, I wasn't allocated an, a navigator at Christmas. That's 11 months after the slip. And A navigator? Mm-hmm. Who's, what's a navigator? They've come up with this title for people who are there to support you know, people in the situation and getting a free doctor's appointment, free counselling, that kind of thing. Um, you know, so you need experts, lawyers, various kinds of engineers, you know, people to lodge your applications to council, that every report, everything costs thousands of dollars and there isn't anyone in place to really support you with that kind of thing. Can you take me up to your your place? Okay, let's walk and talk at the same time. Oh, this is your driveway? This is a shared driveway. Steep driveway? Yep. And walk up here every day. Well, there's, there's a, um, a path, there's okay. a pedestrian path on the other side of the house. I see, another steep pathway. <laughs> right, so here we are on the, um, looking at the hole in the ground that used to be your driveway. And that concrete's just hanging there precariously. The only solution is, is to build a retaining wall. I mean, they say all I need to do is return it to its former state, but you can't just put earth in this hole. It'll just fall down the hill onto yeah. the road. You have to build a retaining wall. Mm. And um, and so that's the other thing is, is, you know, I thought the category 2P was for people who had to build a retaining wall. That's actually a new structure. There wasn't a retaining wall here before because you can't just return it to the way that it was without actually building a retaining wall. And I think that's often the case when people have slips. Just when I thought I heard Catherine's full story, there's more. Her insurers won't pay out on her claim on her car, which has been stuck in the carport for 12 months because it isn't damaged. It's only inaccessible. So she's bought another car. Also, the basement is a no-go zone, but they can live upstairs. Um, yeah, it's just a bit odd, really. I mean, if downstairs was to go, what's going to happen to the upstairs? Yeah. There aren't any cracks. Um, so no sign of damage? No sign of damage. But it's just that the slip is, you know, it's literally under there. It's a, it's yeah. a metre away from the edge of the house. Yeah. And if the carport were to fall down, um, I don't know if that would damage the house. Have you worked out, Catherine, how much this has cost you so far? Because you had to move out of your house for four months. Yeah. Uh, well, insurance did cover... Um, in temporary accommodation for that period, but I've probably spent around $10,000 so far on uh, things like a geotech report and a survey. And nothing's changed. $10,000, new car, but we're still looking at a a house perched over a big, huge yeah. slip. Yeah, and in order to figure out how much it's actually going to cost, I probably need to spend another $10,000 um, and you know to get a quote and then on top of that I have to pay to get a council approval to build on their land which Mm. is a whole separate application process and you have to pay someone to do that for you because you need an expert to do it for you and then you have to pay for a building consent so you know it could be spending $30,000 before you even start to build the wall. So one year on, still no word from Catherine's insurer except a rejection of her car claim. Nothing yet from EQC, but she expects a minuscule payout for land damage and it's not promising from Auckland Council. The council's deputy group recovery manager, Mace Ward, says her case is like hundreds of others in Category 1 where the property owners must fund the remediation. Yeah, so as private property owners, um, where we are private property owners, we 
have the primary responsibility for our property when damage like this occurs and where we are insured and insurance covers that. But otherwise, um, the categorisation scheme, which is co-funded and established by central government, Aucklanders have put in 900 million, central government 1.1 billion. Um, that, that scheme is based on around that categorisation and, and where Catherine has been um, assessed as category one, um, she can now thankfully is in a safe position but in a difficult situation of having to fund that remediation. Except that the council is, is the majority property owner in this case. Yeah, council I guess in terms of the parks land has lost their property but in terms of Catherine protecting her property that's her responsibility. Can you understand why she's so upset? Oh, I can absolutely understand this the difficulty of Category 1 owners generally and the need to fund and pay that cost. Um, these storms have been devastating across the significant locations across the North Island, Hawke's Bay, Gisborne, uh, Auckland, Northland, parts of the Waikato, uh, Coromandel. But there has been some funding put in place for those most extremely affected, but many people uh, will be in that Category 1 situation where their primary responsibility is to, is to remediate their own um, buildings um, or property. And then they're subject, they're required to get building consents to make sure that structure is safe, such as a retaining wall if it's over a certain size, and that provides them with assurance. Um, so all of these things are additional costs that weren't envisaged um, because of the, the storm events that occurred. <laughs> But Mace, there's something wrong, uh, to me there's something wrong with this process, that she lives in a house that is on a slip, that, and m the most of that slip is, is council owned land. She has to build a retaining wall so that she can then build a safe driveway to her house so that she can access her house by car. Um, and she has to pay for all of that even though the retaining wall would be on council land and then she says she can't ensure that retaining wall and if there is another event because it's not on her land. She can't get a mortgage to get that retaining wall built because it's not on her land. Do you understand the situation that she's in? Her life is completely in limbo. I completely understand the situation that she's in. There may be some other options for her to build that retaining wall on her land, but if it is on an easement across someone else's land, the council's land, she's enjoyed that, has a right to pass and repass for her driveway. Mm. But the construction and the maintenance of that driveway um, is the property owner's, the beneficiary property owner's responsibility. Yeah, I um, yes. Should other Aucklanders have to pay for for that and it's a difficult situation that I entirely agree is makes is really difficult in the case of Catherine's circumstances but yeah. it is a private benefit not a public benefit for mm. Catherine. She has been told by someone at Auckland Transport because I think those roadside reserves are Auckland Transport's responsibility is my understanding. Well, that's, that's, her that's correct. Yeah. Under the, in the Auckland situation, Auckland Transport's the administrator of those lands. Right, so she has been told that they are going to uh, appeal to the council and or the government to see if there is any funding to help people in, in her situation. 
Yeah, so we have been making the recovery office, through the recovery office, we're working with Auckland Transport as one of the recovery partners. Um, they're undertaking significant works uh, funded by central government Waka Kotahi and Auckland uh, Council um, of $390 million resilience program. But that doesn't include whether there's a private um, driveway and a private benefit. Um, Auckland Transport will, though, however, help people like Catherine um, to make sure she can easily undertake that work so she can continue to have access to her home. We have been talking to central government agencies, the Cyclone Recovery Unit um, and others about funding, but no funding of that nature has been made available. Does that mean that there might be funding or is that it? No funding? There's no funding at present on the horizon that I can give any assurance about um, for those sorts of works. Right, she's on her own. Yes. She's got to come up with that money somehow. Yes, if she wants to continue to protect her rights to um, her driveway, which goes across public land to her own property. Yeah. Um, very much um, we are there to support Catherine, achieve that. Um, in, in what way though, just, just so I'm clear on this, because she's saying that, you know, really, apart from the navigator helping her with things like a doctor's appointment, she mm. hasn't really had any assistance or any good advice on where to go next. Well, we can help her with that in terms of um, the ability, so not funding, um, but certainly the ability to uh, navigate her way through the process of being able to build a retaining wall that you outlined mm. um, on council land so that we make that as easy as possible. So. And, and also, you know, having a single point of contact, um, whether it's in Auckland Transport or Auckland Council. And that person would help her, point her to the various places that she needs to go through in, the, in, the, in this process. And you have no idea how much a retaining wall would cost. I mean, she hasn't had it quoted because of the cost of getting, you know, getting it quoted. She just doesn't want to put the money in. Sure. But do you have any idea? I mean, would she be wrong in saying it's probably $100,000? Oh, I couldn't um, ascertain it without actually knowing the real specifics um, of that particular situation. Um, but the retaining walls um, that we are seeing those costs as being quite um, quite significant um, for them. It depends how substantial they are and what the nature of the of the situation is. But significant it, as in tens of thousands. It could be in the tens of thousands of yeah. dollars. Um, how many other people? would be in this kind of situation? Oh, we're aware of um, many people across um, across the region who are in that situation where they have easements or retain, require retaining um, to protect their driveways, um, where they're protecting their own home from either flooding or landslips um, or having, rebuilding their building, which you know may or may not be covered by insurance, uh, whether that's EQC or the insurance for their property. Many, as in um, hundreds or dozens? It, could, or? it will be in the order of hundreds. Um, so many people um, will have suffered those sorts of losses. So the people, uh, for categorisation, our estimate is um, in the order of 500 to 700 homes for Category 3, which is intolerable risk to life, uh, where they're no longer safe to live. And then for Category 2P, in the order of you know 100 properties where we can undertake um, with the property owner, a property level intervention, uh, which which would reduce that risk to be a tolerable risk. Mm. Um, so, but 
on top of that, Category 1 homes of people who have opted into the categorisation schemes, the vast majority will be Category 1, where there um, isn't any financial support in the government's framework um, for that. So that'll be in the order. We've had over 2,400 um, homeowners recruit into the scheme. Mm -hmm. um, so as you can see, two-thirds of those, those properties um, will be in that category one. And, and she knows that she can appeal that categorisation and she has also sought some more information about how that categorisation was reached so she's awaiting that information but sure. I mean in the end do you think this is fair? Uh, it's not an issue of being fair it's not you know but it's it, this is devastating for many people um, so fairness um, this is a special scheme that is not usually available um, that the, the government has set up um, for categorisation and that can, you know is funded for those most affected. Mm. And insurance um, with pro other private property owners is the key for remediation of people's properties. Mm. In some cases, of course, insurance pays out on damage, um, not on more resilience. So that that is a key issue for many people where... Um, the risk to life in terms of a Category 1 homeowner isn't intolerable from future storm events. I think there's a real challenge and one of the things we're doing with uh, in the recovery office for flooding, for example, and I know Catherine's circumstances are, are around landslips, mm. um, for flooding, how you can make your home and your property more resilient. Um, and so I think this is really important uh, in terms of how, how property owners look at their properties, whether and in the case of a driveway, really understanding um, when people are purchasing the property or how do I make sure I've got a resilient access to my home and that may require investment from the property owner. Uh, in this month, the, uh, the council through the Planning, Environment and Parks Committee is going out with a draft plans change for a natural hazards plan and that is all about looking at climate adaption, um, what, what are the natural hazards, how do we respond to that, um, from a regulatory point of view, from a planning point of view. Um, so very much we are in a time of climate uncertainty, um, which leads to these natural hazard events, which have a real impact on real people, um, which can be really devastating. To be honest with you, I really don't want to be critical because I know that they've got a huge job. Um, but I think just it's it's just a really awareness. You know, you can be in this situation. This can happen, and you aren't covered by insurance. And I understand that Auckland Transport has a massive job. I mean, look at the roads. You know, it's huge. And the reality is that they're not funded for this at the moment. Um, and it would be really great if they were. That's it for today. The detail is supported by RNZ and NZ On Air. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell and Davina Zimmer. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. My thanks to Catherine Alberston and Mace Ward. Kakite anō. Ka